And welcome back to Dance Chat Podcast. I'm Martin. Yeah, I'm Dan. And this is a podcast where two aspiring, responsible Canadian pet owners who are getting ready to commemorate Canada's birthday do a deep dive on a variety of topics from kick- kicking maple leaves around our igloos to riding our dog sleds, drinking maple syrup. And uh, this week, I clearly didn't write that one. (laughs) (laughs) Nonsense. Martin is a a creative mind behind all of our uh, little catchphrases. (laughs) This week, we have another amazing guest on our episode. Andy, welcome and thank you for joining us today. Andy, hello. Hey there. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Pleasure to be here. (laughs) I hope it is. It better be. You know what? I take that back. Wow. Wow. Don't be like that, Andy. Don't be like that. Andy is a mutual friend of both myself and Dan. We met him way back. At least I met him way back during my undergrad. Second year, I'm going to say. I don't think it was second year. I feel like it was I think it was around third or fourth. Because I I left Waterloo already. I thought it was late second year. Like summer, second year summer. I don't think so. I think it's at least third year. It seems like it's most of our while. guests seem to be from Waterloo. Whether it's like Martin's guests or my guests, everyone seems to be from Waterloo. <laughs> <laughs> Common ground. Except for myself, who went to U of T. So I met Andy, what, after university? I feel like I knew of your existence during university, but we didn't really start chilling till after. Yeah, so interestingly, I knew of Dan before I met Martin because we... I guess briefly met at a social event at the beach. I remember that. What was Martin not there? No, Martin wasn't there. I haven't even met Martin at that time. Oh, yeah, I remember that trip. We kept fairly separate ways. Like your group was in like your own little camp, and ours was in our camp. Yeah, there were there were multiple groups. It was like my elementary school group, and then there was the Waterloo group, if that's correct. Yeah, pretty much. We just, just kind of just kind of did our own thing. We didn't really make, intermingle too much, but like we were friendly with each other. It was fine. How did that happen? Like, how did you plan? Like, hello, your group and my group. Let's hang out for beach day. Uh, well, I think you like from a previous podcast, Tina. I think and some other people. Oh, that was the connection. Yeah. So I think uh, I think okay. they're chilled, Andy, and then they I think they planned a thing, and then our and they brought in our elementary school group, and I think that's how that happened. Our elementary school group is pretty tight. Like, I don't really talk to them as much anymore, but they're pretty tight. So, like, they would do a lot of things together at a time. And a lot of us have, like, have distance away because we've kind of had to move on our lives, live in different areas of the city. So, harder to get together, but, uh, you know, pretty great people. I have high respect for all of them. But going back to, like, after when we start actually talking, I think it was starting, it was, like, with, same with KP in terms of playing games. I don't think it was Smite, though. It might have been. I feel like it was Smite. Yeah. I think initially... Others. I thought it was Overwatch at first. You know, so this is going back to like the first or second podcast. He didn't play Overwatch. Yeah, it does. It actually I did not play either. Overwatch. He didn't play Overwatch. But so I, I was referenced in a couple <laughs> podcasts. <laughs> and Andy's our, our longtime supporter, longtime lurker, first time poster. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a, a long time coming if you guys have followed us all the way from episode two that's the the mutual friend that we refer to yeah yes i if am you... uh, person a <laughs> mystery person a 
and he's known for many things in our group. He's known as, I think, like from my perspective, he's known as a guy who's like very, he's very informed when he does this action. Like when he takes any, before he takes any actions, thinks of the, the things very thoroughly. I'm more impulsive. I just like, I have resources. I, have, I see, I see something in front of me. I have tunnel vision into it. I feel like Andy is a guy that would, you know, look at all the factors and then, you know, really takes the best course. So really thorough. He's also a guy that is known for his okay system. So, okay. <laughs> Martin, just for to... the record, I don't think your podcast is okay. I think it's better than okay. Ooh, <laughs> we got elevated. Shit. So that's so, that's, a, that's a huge compliment. Yes. So for context, right? Andy's been known as the guy. If you asked him about his opinion or perspective on something, like eighty percent, eighty-five, ninety percent of the time, it's like it's okay. So, so that's just like basically if. If anything is within, it's okay. You're probably average to maybe a little bit below or maybe a little bit above. Yeah. And then if it's bad, you know you're really in the shit. But if you're above, okay, then you're like top echelon tier of like God society. Damn. That's amazing. <laughs> so so we have reached that level, folks. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. That goes to show I expect great things from you guys. <laughs> AK Martin is Santi Durian. What? <laughs> that, was not, that, that was that's not even related. We need to go over above and beyond. We're gonna have to do our two challenges to really garner more viewers and you know. Oh, good. Uh, yeah, I'm 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 down for challenges. Folks, not for during. Please email Martin and tell him and encourage him to eat durian. It's one of our goals in life, and not not, not like a not like a like a toothpick portion, like a whole spoonful. That, that's a hard pass. No, no, no. Our audience, tell tell us this is content you want to see. Email us. I dare you. I doubt it. I doubt we'll see it, but I dare you. Andy is also known for, at least back in the Waterloo days, for the Fridays. When I say Friday, I'm saying with pho because we had a local uh, Viet restaurant that was, I thought it was pretty good, actually. I thought it was better than a fair amount of Viet restaurants in like Markham, Scarborough area. Not better than all of them, mind you. But it was better than a good chunk of them. And so when we discovered the place, it's called Ben Tan, yep. if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we, we frequently had pho on Fridays. So hence Friday. <laughs> that was definitely oh. one of the better places. I don't even remember how I came across it. I don't even think I was the one who discovered it. Oh, yeah? I think it was Kai Young who discovered it. Our oh. kitchen. Yeah. Cool. And then he pointed out, said, oh, we should go here. And then, oh, yeah. We should, and then I think we ended up going on a Friday, and then I it clicked in my head. You know what? Fa Friday for Friday, <laughs> and then I think that's what kicked off this whole fa pun like roll I started going on. <laughs> I started releasing like these weekly fa puns. There's like stuff like phenomenal, yes. fantastic, yes, like uh, things like that. That's hilarious. I mean, I thought it was. I thought it had to do with your like Vietnamese heritage. Well, I guess there is some sort of pride in my Vietnamese heritage, but it's also, I guess, unfair to the Filipino side in me. <laughs> I don't have any Filipino related right. puns. Yeah, you got like years of Filipino puns. You got to make up for, it, bro. You got to catch up. <laughs> it's kind of hard because all of the words are like quite long, and there's they're all compound. Oh, not compound. Multi-syllable. So like, how am I supposed to make a pun with like, lumpia? <laughs> I don't or know. Let's figure it out. I believe. Make it happen. We'll 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 buy in. 
Um, I'll see what I can do. I'm not yeah. an arts major for nothing, I guess. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Andy's really interesting, you know. So we talked. We just talked about how his heritage is both Vietnamese and uh, Filipino, but he looks, I think, the most Chinese. So you guys can't. Yeah, y'all that are listening can't see this. But he, first time I met him, I thought he was bullshitting me because he looks so Chinese. Like if you told me he's straight out of Hong Kong, I'd be like, yeah. And it's yeah, me. I'll up. have to admit, I do look Chinese. <laughs> I can go to any restaurant in Markham or Scarborough and they will just straight up speak either Mandarin or Cantonese to me without a second thought. I would go to a Vietnamese restaurant and then there is maybe like a 20% chance that they will try to speak Chinese to me or Cantonese or Mandarin (laughs) because like there is a Chinese presence within Vietnam as well. Mm -hmm. And Hmm. there's a lot of Chinese people who actually speak Vietnamese. So a lot of these uh, Vietnamese restaurants you see in that area are actually owned by Chinese people. Yeah. So they can speak both uh, Vietnamese, Cantonese, or Mandarin. Yeah, I once knew a guy who is of Chinese ethnic background, but his family ran away to Vietnam, and they he was he grew up essentially Vietnamese. They, they think they opted, they adopted a Vietnamese last name as well, and so they have all the Vietnamese culture, but ethnically, I think genetically, they're like Chinese. So yeah. like mm. very interesting. I mean, I don't know the history around that, but kind of interesting to like hear that this was not a like a uncommon story. Anyways, uh, why don't we jump into uh, our first topic of today? Um, this week we want to talk about um, enneagram. Enneagrams. That's right. So we we all of us took a personality test, a enneagram, which looks like a spider web of sorts. Right, it sorts your personality into nine categories. Yes. So, so the idea here is that you answer a bunch of survey questions to ask you about the personality. It is somewhat similar, but not exactly the same as something like the Myers Briggs test, if you guys are familiar with that. But yeah, after answering, it'll give you a breakdown of your personality based on nine dimensions, showing which ones are higher depending on your response. So we all did it, all three of us. I don't know. Uh, maybe I'll go first. I found mine to be kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. I think it did represent a certain aspect or, or facet or aspect of my personality. I had two that were very, that were almost tied for the top and second. Mm-hmm. And then I had one that was just a little bit smaller. Before I get even get into that though, I did find doing the questionnaire itself to be interesting just because it wasn't that long. It took me about 15 minutes. I mean, guess there were something like maybe 100 questions, maybe not even. And usually, because I've done a number of these before, like having studied psychology as a background in undergrad, this was one of the shorter ones for sure. Like I've done ones where it took you like a full hour or at least like 45 minutes to complete. So it, it makes me feel like just because there are a fewer number of questions, like how accurate could it be? Mm-hmm. But having seen the results, I'm like, okay, I can kind of see it. I wouldn't take it as a hundred percent. Like I would, in my mind, I'm taking it with a grain of salt, but again, based on the results, it did seem sort of accurate. So my three were the numbers nine, five, and six, nine being, being the peacemaker, number five being the investigator. So those were my top two. Okay. And then number six being the skeptic. Mm. And peacemaker, I guess skeptic. And what was the last one? Peacemaker, investigator, and skeptic. I guess before we go into details about which each of these mean, what were you guys? Mm, it might be better if we just do one at a time so we can stay focused on each, per- each person's results. Fair. 
I know Martin a little bit less than Andy. So, Andy, what do you think of Martin's results in terms of being a peacemaker, investigator? Should I, so can should you, I can, can read you it first? Sure. Yeah. So, okay. So the peacemaker, uh, and I'm just going to read like the highlights here mm-hmm. um, in terms of the, the bullet points and the personality traits. So it says calm, collected demeanor, ability to diffuse conflict with ease, zen-like presence, mellow and soothing voice. That one's interesting. Wide circle of acquaintances, generally liked by most people and fluid, slow movements and gestures. Hmm. So that is, that is the peacemaker. Hmm. Um, they have a desire to maintain a sense of inner peace and harmony and to avoid conflict or other emotional disturbances. They are typically agreeable, calm, and easy to be around. So that is your strongest trait, right? Yeah, strongest. It's tied. Like, like it's really close between number nine, the peacemaker, and number five, the investigator for mm-hmm. me. What do you think, Andy, before I give my thoughts? Yeah, I don't know about the peacemaker <laughs> one. That doesn't really sound like you. <laughs> really? I actually I'm feel like... Who's keeping the peace... Yeah. I feel like if anyone were to use strong gestures within our group, it'd be you. If anyone were to point out something minuscule and complain about it, it would be you. <laughs> you know, it's what's really funny is that we receive feedback on our podcast, and you're not the only person saying that Martin has really strong opinions. <laughs> yes. I, I do have strong opinions on things, but I think for the most part, generally speaking, I I would agree with this. I I generally avoid conflict and i prefer to be more on the mellow side um there are key instances where i will be more excited but um for the most part yeah so like for me i think i don't know if if peacemaker is the best representation as a father figure who kind of rap like sorts out the kids i think so i think as that as a a peacemaker you know like kids are kids being us you know we're all like running about the house you know, throwing paper plates at each other, fried chicken bones across the yard. You know, I think I think you would sort us out as a peacemaker. And uh, if we get into little arguments, I think you can sort us out really easily. But to Andy's point, I think there is some truth, right? You do speak your mind if it's something that bothers you or you have an opinion about something, you will point it out. Not as, so in a way, I think in some certain circumstances, you can definitely be a peacemaker. But in other circumstances, you're a little bit more of... I don't know if there's a category for it because I didn't see it for myself, but maybe a little bit of the debater, person who would like to open the conversation. But to your point, right, before you said that the test is quite short, it's not as in-depth, and maybe we'll talk, ask Andy for his opinion on it afterwards, right, um, in comparison to Myers-Briggs, who, which is, I'm sure, significantly longer than this, this particular test. Yeah. So what do you think, Andy? What do you think of, of the test in comparison to the Myers-Briggs well, I did take psychology as well. A uh, good number of courses, actually. So just going through this uh, test, or actually, maybe we'll take a step back. So these personality tests are supposed to be taken with a grain of salt. They don't actually define who a person is. And often at times, I've taken the Myers-Briggs like maybe more than five or six times. And each time, my results tend to like sway this way or that way especially since you score maybe around 49 or 51 percent on one of the uh, categories and also with the Myers-Briggs you have 16 different uh, combinations for this one you have nine different combinations and different thresholds and I'd say the top three would generally define what the test thinks of you or what guidelines or whatnot but yeah it was fairly short and uh me being the person i am just 
uh, being presented with uh, five options from very weak to strong a lot of it is just like oh i think this is okay or like somewhere along the middle or neutral <laughs> so it's just like neutral 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 uh, neutral, neutral. <laughs> <laughs> i mean i think that goes hand in hand your system's okay right everything's okay everything's average yeah yeah, but surprisingly, sense. it seems like this test does account for people who are overtly neutral. Oh, really? And it does seem to reflect in my results. Mm. So, like, what was your top scoring trait or top two? So, my top two, these scored equally, were eight and six. Mm. So, eight Almost is six. the challenger, mm. and six was mentioned before, the skeptic. And at a close third, uh, maybe just like a smidge off, was uh, five, the investigator. Hmm. So the eight is the challenger, which is... So eight, the key personality traits include independent, self-sufficient, fierce and confident look. I can see that. Determination and stamina, very energetic and busy, fiery passions and power, stubborn and headstrong, and serious about control over environments. I can see Andy as an eight for many of these. Perhaps not outwardly energetic, but definitely very motivated to get things done to see things through. So I think in that way, definitely, but not in that whole stereotypical, like, you know, cheerleader, like, wa- like waving flag down the, <laughs> you know, storm Fiery fronts. passion was an interesting one. I'm like, oh, fiery yeah, passion. To be honest, that's <laughs> definitely not me. <laughs> At least the non-professional version of me. Yeah. Professional-wise, in our in a professional setting, that's a different story. Yeah, yeah. You try to be a. You try to really be a high achiever in, when you're as a professional. Not necessarily. It's about getting the job done right. Mm. It's not about my own career growth, but just how to contribute towards the organization. Definitely, definitely. In a general sense, what what is your current like position in the in the business world? Okay, yeah. So I do data governance, and it's pretty much self-explanatory, is what I would like to say. But a lot of people start asking, "Oh, what is data governance, anyways?" So pretty much, it's along the lines of data, which um, describes data, as so maintaining that, as well as data quality. And any policies relating to the use of data and personal information. Mm. So as everyone knows, we have those new California laws which dictate how personal data can be used Mm. and also GDPR in uh, Europe. So um, as part of GDPR, uh, you need to be able to ask the company uh, to provide all the data that they have on you back to you so that you can see what they have on you. Sounds like my worst nightmare. (laughs) <laughs> like i took stats like 101 in university and like i was fearing for failing because like when we took breath, <laughs> when i went to uft they have these breath requirements where it's like it's like high school where it's like you have to take one math one science one mathematics yeah. and like i didn't take math in high school i <laughs> sorry i didn't take math in university i did, I went to an arts program specifically not to take math again or sciences but, like you have to take math now I'm, like great so I took statistics and I was just like fearing for a life of failing the course because I'm just that weak in mathematics. So your field sounds like my absolute worst nightmare. See, I guess this is where the misconception comes in when okay. uh, I mentioned data governance because data governance is very little relating to math. It's pretty much all policies and rules. 
Oh, I see. I think people are hung up on the concept of data analysis and data science, which is where the statistics come in. Mm. That's not to say that there's no math involved in data governance. It's just not as intricate as people <laughs> think it is. So folks, if you're well, interested in data governance, look it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's an evolving field. And uh, a lot of companies are starting to open up their own data governance offices and are hiring people because of these new laws. And as, well, AI and machine learning continue to develop, then uh, these policies and rules around data need to be uh, enforced. Yeah. And of course, someone needs to do that to make sure that the organization doesn't get in trouble with the government. So folks, if you're looking into a new, new growing field, this is it. Along with UX, apparently that's also a growing field. It's very big, yes. Market is super hot right now. I don't know if anybody's looking for a job, but it is. Hmm. Anyways, going back to the Enneagram, I haven't talked about mine just yet. So my top two traits are four and two. So four is the individualist. The key personality traits of being a four include distinctive inner and outer presentation, prominent artistic outlets, quirky and endearing melancholic expression, strong sense of identity, may feel a sense of emptiness, and passionate about self-expression. Two refers to the giver, which includes warm smile and eyes, my small squinty Asian eyes. <laughs> approachable. You said it, not me. <laughs> <laughs> this guy. Approachable, radiates kindness, vocal volunteer or activist, definitely not me. Excellent team player, maybe. Uh, caring and gentle, nurturing and patient, and smooth flowing movements, whatever that means. So based on what you know of me in these few years, what do you think? I get hung up on the movement because I'm like, how does this like assess how you move? <laughs> like flowing movement. Like <laughs> But anyways, I think I think it's well just like with most of these these categories, it's partially true. Okay. Uh, I can see a lot of it being applied. I do see you try to be outwardly more friendly, um, and you are definitely more expressive of yourself. Like if you got something to say, you're gonna say it. Mm-hmm. So I definitely see a lot of a lot of that. Definitely gets into me, gets me into more trouble than uh, is worse sometimes. <laughs> I know a lot of folks are very like anti-confrontational. I try to be, but sometimes you just gotta just lay it out there and open. And that's 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 definitely myself. But yeah, what do you think, Andy? Yeah, I agree with Martin. It's definitely not 100% for both of these, but a lot of it does describe you well. I think a lot of the questions when I was taking the test, right? I don't have a psychology background like you two, or course, that many courses. I have a few, but not that many. I found that some of the questions are definitely a little bit leading. It's like, you definitely, I definitely lean one way or another, depending on how the question is asked. Did you find that the questions were kind of like leaning, like almost enticing to answer in one way or another? They do. And I think they do that on purpose sometimes. Like one of them might say, I am really great at solving problems and I love solving puzzles or something. And that's like obviously very geared towards more analytical, logical thinking. But then sometimes they also have, well, usually they would have an opposing that's like, oh, I'm very creative and uh, love like free flowing ideas and whatever. Right. And the idea is to kind of have an internal check. So if you answered very high on one, theoretically, you should answer very low on the other. Mm-hmm. But if it's not the case, then 
uh, it could fudge with some of the results and findings. So they, they do that intentionally. Yeah, I think it was just very apparent because there weren't as many questions. Yeah. If you were to do something like Myers-Briggs with like 120 questions. You just forget. Right? Yeah, yeah. You'll forget about it. And that's the whole point too. That's why like maybe your question one would be, are you good at this? But then maybe question 95 would be, are you bad at that same thing? Mm. So there's some sort of countermeasure or counterbalance there to make sure um, you're getting the right result. So the Myers-Briggs is definitely a little bit more detail-oriented in that regard. It also takes longer, I guess, I'm assuming. I don't think I've ever oh, yeah. taken the Myers-Briggs myself. You mentioned that you you've taken the test, Andy. You you've taken a test several times. It's changed every time. Do you think it's because you've kind of grown a little bit more and then it's like your personality's also been adjusted a little bit with your life experiences that it kind of affects the personality test? Yeah, definitely. So the times that I've taken this test were within maybe like two or three or even four-year gaps. So definitely as I experience different things, meet new people and all that jazz, then obviously my personality changes. It also is due to the fact that I'm a neutral person, so I could sway either way. Yeah. But yeah. I find a lot more value in the Myers-Briggs when you look at like the percentage on each dimension rather than the final like letters, like the INFJ yeah. or whatever. Because as you mentioned, some people are just kind of in between. So if you're like 49 on one and then 51 on the other day, then you're swapping the whole dimension. But in reality, you're not really changing all that much, right? Yeah. Yep. And I did mention that before too. A couple of the tests didn't mention the percentages and 49 yeah. and 51 were the exactly. values I got for a couple of the dimensions. So guess if you're going to take a test, take it on a very neutral day where you're not feeling strongly <laughs> one way or another. They even tell you that like, you know, pick a calm environment, a calm you know, yeah. not noisy, don't be distracted. So it's as close to your natural self as possible. Let's pivot our conversation a little bit. Martin, how lazy are you as a person? How lazy am I as a person? From one to 10. It depends on the given day. Generally speaking, how lazy are you? So if 10 is like super hardworking and one is a super lazy, I'm going to give myself like a, like a six. A six. Hmm. Yeah. How lazy am I? It's hard to say. Depending on what it is, I'd probably be a little bit more motivated. But in general sense, I want to say probably a seven or eight. Definitely, if I can be lazy, I will be lazy. Yeah, I think it depends on what it is. I can easily see myself bouncing between seven or three. <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> what situations would you be a seven? Seven? So anything work-related, pretty yeah. much. Something with a solid motivator to incentivize me to do something. But even then, it's not a full 10. It's a 7. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do this, but I'm going to do it slow. <laughs> <laughs> at, at your pace. <laughs> yeah. Were you folks like... Were you folks like super keen on school when you were, when you were younger? Or like were, oh. you, the, were you the procrastinator? <laughs> Definitely oh, I, procrastinator. I, I probably wrote... I wrote one like... 10 page essay in a night because I just left it in such a last minute. But I was so tired that I like, I woke, I took 30 minute naps, woke up at 30 minutes later, 10 minutes of essay writing, went back to sleep for half an hour, and I rinse <laughs> okay. and repeat all the way up to the deadline. I will say, I've never pulled a single all nighter, like ever, for any what? exam, how? any, I've never, not one. How you dare call yourself a procrastinator? <laughs> 
like you take away uh, that <laughs> label right now. <laughs> I, I think the the latest I've stayed up like the night before an exam or assignment was probably like I'm gonna say 3 a.m. because at that point my brain just shuts off like. It just becomes like gibberish. I can't think properly, and I'm like, okay, I'm done. Like, I'm gonna sleep at least two hours. He calls <laughs> so like I can't... millennial. Oh, that's the best. <laughs> so, talking about essays, I had a philosophy course in university, and I had to write an 18-page essay. Oh, God. So, so this cool. was due at 7 a.m. I started <laughs> around 1 a.m. <laughs> and I just went straight through all the way to 6:30. And then handed it in. And how oh, do you God. do? Yeah. I got seventy something percent. Hey, that's pretty okay. good. <laughs> Which is pretty good, yeah. That's that's pretty good. Uh, yes. What I find is in the night, especially for philosophy, I think you just need to let your mind run wild without <laughs> any filters, and that's how you'll do well. A, a lot this, of like the essays you write in university is all about how well can you argue your points. Yeah. yeah. So if you can like put a lot on paper, but it sounds convincing, you do pretty well for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Would you say you folks are like naturally just like on the smarter side of things when you went to school? Like, did, was, did concepts come to you really easily, or did you feel like you were just like able to grasp it, uh, or sort of did you have to work really hard to grasp the concept? Depends on which subject. Like, so I naturally clicked with sciences. Like that was my thing. I was a science kid. So for science. Except for physics, I'll say biology and chemistry clicked a lot easier. Physics is just like this makes no sense to me. I hate physics, <laughs> and then everything else just like terrible at English. I I hated that class. Uh, terrible, absolutely mm -hmm. terrible. What do you think? Well, how about you, Andy? How were you as a young student? Personally, I think I'm more on the uh, grasp concepts easily side. Yeah. So as I mentioned earlier, I'm in or I graduated with an arts degree. But I'm in the technology field. I'm actually fairly good at math too. I would uh, say, I did go to college as well, just for a year in software engineering and excelled in that. I feel like I'm very multifaceted. I could probably talk to anyone about various disciplines. So arts, so your liberal arts, your humanities, mm -hmm. and Martin with the sciences. I can talk biology, chemistry, or physics with people as well. And economics, accounting on that side, or finances, and yeah, well, mathematics and statistics to an extent. If I were to talk about that with people, I'd get bored in like a second. To be honest, <laughs> it seems like you do really well. Whatever you like, get yourself into. Yeah, I would say so. Because like, if you think about it, there's a lot of core concepts which apply to many different fields. People will say that mathematics is like the basis for a lot of things. So once you grasp these core concepts, they can be applied to many different facets if you take the time to actually make those links, mm -hmm. which I've noticed that many people don't. What they do is they just, they just open up the textbook and they just memorize without actually like understanding or linking uh, what they've learned in the past. Mm, that's definitely me as a student, <laughs> 100%. Just mem memorize and dump afterwards school like school did not come to me really easily i think i struggled a lot i think it's just hard for me to grasp a lot of concepts like you throw a math textbook in front of me you can i can try to sit at it from like 12 different angles all day long and i probably still don't get wouldn't get it i don't know why i don't know why that is you know i can look back and see but 
Yeah, I, I just, concepts did not come easily to me. Patterns, I do a little bit better. I think that's where things like the language arts, I think I do a lot better on. Because a lot of it is just recognizing patterns of words and like how they can piece together to build a sentence, like grammar and whatnot. Fun fact about Andy is that uh, he, in addition to all of these all these amazing things about him, he's also a black belt. In you Taekwondo. I didn't expect that. <laughs> second degree black belt in Taekwondo. If you don't believe me, you could probably look up my certificate number on the official site. <laughs> they have certificate numbers for those? Yeah. They have I have no idea. Uh, they have there's like some registry. central like body in Korea or something that keeps track of all the people who are uh, true black belts. No way. Interesting. I, I did know. not know that. That's crazy. How, how long were you? Uh, like how long? How old were you when you got your black belt? How old was I? I never remember ages, but I was grade eight when I stopped. So I would assume grade five or six was when I first reached the black belt. Wow. It's grade five. So like, do you, do you remember when you kind of start started uh, Taekwondo? Started Taekwondo, I think in grade one. Wow. So I did it fairly, years. actually, it's not even fairly long, but more than the average person definitely see like my parents tried to get me into taekwondo when I was younger but i thought that seems like a lot of work i don't want to, i don't want to exercise <laughs> so oh, like... I didn't end up doing it. i'm like that seems like a lot of work and then I, I had to do boy scouts as well on the side and then the saturday school and like i didn't want to add any more to that looking back i probably i think it would be really cool to do martial arts do all the back back kicks flips etc it's really cool would you say you're still able to like do all those tricks today? Oh, that's hard to say. So just recently, maybe like a month or two ago, I uh, started flexibility training again. So I'm trying to get back to how I was before so I can actually do those kicks and whatnot. And uh, I don't want to break, <laughs> but I used to be fairly good at like doing uh, trick type kicks. So usually it's there's like three different sections. You have like sparring. Mm -hmm. So like fighting other people and you have patterns, which are just like, I don't know if you two are familiar with what patterns are, but they're a set, um, set pattern <laughs> of moves that you do. And it's just something you need to memorize. And the third thing is, well, showcasing or like breaking boards and things like that. So breaking boards was the one part of Taekwondo that I liked. That's so um, scary. I, I and like also I'm... a side note was I absolutely hated doing martial arts. <laughs> <laughs> I was pretty much forced into it. So that's why I hated it the entire time. But looking back, I am thankful that my parents forced me into it. Uh, it's definitely helped with my dexterity and my, uh, I guess, athleticism in general. And of course, like with those core skills, they do apply to other things as well. Uh, like other sports yeah i mean that's a that's pretty amazing uh to like have you ever tried your hand at like other martial arts even though you, i know you hated it doing it when you're younger but have you tried your hand at like capoeira or like other types uh no i have not tried other martial arts part of me did think about it but i also feel that once you do a martial arts it's better to just spend time to master that one art instead of like branching into different ones. Because like each of these martial arts, they're developed with a certain style. Yeah. And like 
uh, a lot of people think this, and it's becoming fairly common nowadays because you see all these boxing matches. But just because you oh. know a mar- <laughs> different martial art, it does not mean that you can box. Yeah, and vice versa. Just because you're a boxer doesn't mean you can do Taekwondo. Are you referring to like sure? There's anime? some overlap in concepts, but the execution is different. What to expect within the ring is different as well. Like obviously, you can't kick in boxing, but in something like Taekwondo or karate, you're gonna get kicked all the time. Mm. Yeah. Are you referring to like the MMA fighters and things like that, or? Uh, no, no, specifically the these boxing fights. matches. Yeah, these celebrity boxing oh, matches. Oh, what's his name again? Uh, Logan Paul. Logan Paul. From, yeah. From from fame on YouTube to being a professional boxer. Yeah. Look, man. Like as people people rag on him, but the guy is making bank. Like all the respect, you know. Oh yeah, definitely with his most recent fight as well. Yeah. Um, who was it again? So, was it Mayweather? N- no. Um, May- no. 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 He, he shit talked Mayweather, but, no, but he fought. No. Um, he fought Mayweather. Uh, what's no? his face? Yeah, he fought Mayweather. Jake Paul shit talked uh, Mayweather. No, no, but his uh, brother ben fought Askren. him. No, that was before. Was That's that before? Jake Paul and I think. Oh, mixing them up. You know what? <laughs> Honestly, maybe I'm mixing them up. Like they're brothers, right? So Logan yeah, Paul yeah, yeah. fought Mayweather, but Jake Paul shit talked Mayweather. Oh, okay, okay. You know what? I probably mixed the two up. So <sighs> Logan Paul obviously made huge amounts of money. It's along, along with Mayweather. Oh, yeah. Celebrity fights, yeah. you make. Bank. Like people and people watch by all means, right? But do you ever? They want to see. They want to see him get beat up. Do you have like what? Do you, what, what? Do you have respect for people who make money like that though? I I can't because he's he's just being an online. He's literally being an online dick and troll and like shit talking people to get attention. And then I mean, does it work? Yes. Can I respect him for it? Oh, like I mean, good for him. Like I can't deny that he's successful in what he does, but like. Like, just to be a dick, man, like, uh, mm. I don't know. Yeah, me. I can't respect that. Like, at least try to win. Like, that Ben Askren yeah. fight that you mentioned, like, from what I remember, he uh, had a hip surgery or something like that, like, a month before. Something like that, yeah. So, yeah, there was no way he was going to win. He was pretty much there just for the money. It was, like, an easy, like, X amount of money for him. He just show up, get knocked out, and, oh, there's money in my pocket. How much would you say would be enough for you to live a say fulfilling life? Like what what what's your bare minimum? Like minimum salary? Uh like what what needs you don't you don't have to give me a number, but like like what needs need to be fulfilled for you to be happy? Well, to be honest, I think I'm already at the point where I'm comfortable with what I make. Uh I don't really require a lot of luxuries, but I feel like for me what I need is enough pay to cover all my needs and then a little more for some more uh, luxuries. Not extravagant luxuries like a mansion, but like a decent sized house, a decent car, enough to not worry about money. Uh, if my kids want something, I can just like say, okay, I can grab that for you as long as they don't want a mansion. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how, like how big of a house would you, would you want? Like a two bedroom? Yeah, I think a four or five bedroom house is uh, good enough for me. I would say the same thing. I would say as long as you have a home, maybe a rental property, just one. I don't need too many. Just have that sitting there for me. I think that'd be pretty good. You know, I can pay for foods, daily living, go on trips every once in a while, and still buy my toys. I like my electronic toys. 
I feel like I spent a lot every year on like just little toys. Like I bought a, I bought a ring light, a camera. This mic was old. This mic was I bought like a, two years ago. But I it's definitely expensive. It's not that bad. It's not that bad. I bought it on Black Friday. It's fairly cheap. So I think those are my luxury items, my big ticket items. Buying a little tech gear for my office, lifestyle stuff. So last year I bought a compound bow and some weights. I just actually bought some Bowflex weights. That was, that was like, that's a couple hundred bucks. You picked a bad time to buy weights, my friend. I bought it straight off of the Bowflex website. So it should be okay. Like I think it's like original price. I didn't buy it off a of scalper. Okay. Because yeah. now, like, if you go on Amazon, you look for weights, it's, like, easily, like, quadruple the price yeah. you would normally get from, like, way back. Like, before, it was about a buck per pound, right? That was, like, more or less. Uh, See, I didn't and hear now, about that. I didn't hear about that, like, ratio until recently. And then, like, when I started yeah. buying weights, I'm like, I didn't know that was a thing, but apparently. Uh, yeah, that, that's... I learned that right now. <laughs> <laughs> right? I, all the weights I buy are all adjustable because I don't like that. Like when you go to a gym, you see like a huge rack across the wall. I'm like, I don't have the space in my place for that. <laughs> Seriously, who does? Like I don't have a whole like basement. Like so, what I did was like you buy the the plain bar, yeah, the dumbbell or barbell, and yeah. then you just buy plates and then you stick them up. Oh, fair. I don't think I have room for a barbell. I just have like adjustable dumbbells. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I like my electronic toys. I you know if I could buy a I, I have all the Nintendo devices from like a few generations. Um, minus, a, minus a few, but for most, I have pretty much all the generation consoles. Bandy, what are your like luxury buys? My luxury buys? Well, so for those of you out there, I actually drive a luxury car and Infinity. So I do try or plan to modify my car as well. So there, that's some luxury money. Also... I'm not proud of this, but in my room right now, I have four different computers. Ooh. <laughs> four? I, have I didn't even know. Desktops you... <laughs> and two laptops. I didn't even know you had four. Are, are you like mining crypto on the side? No, no, no. <laughs> so, as uh, people may or may not know, there was a GPU shortage. So, the new NVIDIA series of uh, GPUs are hard to come by. So what I ended up doing was I bought, or sorry, <clears throat> I bought a pre-built computer mm-hmm. with that video card in it. I took it, I swapped it into my main computer, and I swapped my old video card into that pre-built. Mm. So now I use that pre-built as something like a cloud computer. So whenever oh. I'm outside of the house, I can just like go on my phone and I can connect directly to it and do whatever I need to do. That's just so mainly cool. for like the gacha games and things like that. <laughs> That's crazy. That's a, that's awesome. All right, Martin, how about you? How much money would be like enough for you? Not like numerical amount, but like in terms of your needs. Yeah, like I consider myself like not too luxurious. I prefer to live relatively simple. I'm okay with like I'm not big on cars or anything. So I if I have a decent enough car, I'm satisfied. That's I look for, so for vehicles, I look for more functional mm-hmm. and maybe just a little bit of like luxury. Like maybe if I had a hand warm. Um, the warm steering wheel, that kind of thing in the winter. Wow, I don't even yeah. have that. <laughs> I just have the warm. I saw the warm butt. <laughs> the or, or, the steering wheel warmer is a huge game changer. Yeah, is it? Like, like in the winter, it is. It, yeah, um, dude, yeah. W- when it's minus thirty out and your car's been sitting all night minus thirty, and you touch that shit, that shit's cold, man. <laughs> yep. Oh, 
I, remote um, start as well if you don't have it i i want that i have not had a vehicle that has that yet but maybe one day when i earn a little more big boy cash yeah i remember like when i'd leave at around the same time as one of my coworkers, and i'm on the eighth floor of my building and he'd be like yo check this and he would just watch the window and beep beep and then you see his car in the distance the engine goes on it's like by the time he gets down there we go down at the same time like we we pack our shit up go down the elevator he just gets in and he just does one wipe all the snow's gone because it's already warm and then I'm just there, like, freaking shoveling that <laughs> yep. shit all night. And he just leaves. I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> and then I have to wait for my engine to warm up and all that shit. I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> yeah. So, Martin, what, have you, what are some of your uh, recent luxury buys? My luxury buys? Oh, just thinking back. Um, I mean, I got this mic for, for podcasting. I would say that's a luxury buy. Although I got it partially expensed by my company because they got... There was some promotion, not promotion, but there was some some giveaway type thing where you get uh, you get to choose a prize. It's like a part of like your work perk kind of things. And I got a bunch of Amazon gift cards and I just started buying shit with it. So thank you for for this, Mike. I think the most luxurious thing I got would probably be like my my desktop computer, which I got like a couple of years ago. It's been two years now. But besides that, clothes not so much lately. The occasional video game. So basically, yeah, this machine and like the occasional tech thing whether it's like computer related or, or game related. Mm. Yeah. That, that's honestly about it. Food though. So <laughs> food is probably something I is probably, I would say one of my weaknesses. Like if, if there's good food out there and I, and I hear it's good and it's expensive, I'll really want to try it. <laughs> Depending Martin, on have what you uh, been to Allo in downtown Toronto. No. Uh, Tell us about your experience <laughs> for, for um, summer delicious. I want to live vicariously through you, Andy. Tell me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that cost a few hundred dollars, but that definitely was not okay. Like the food, it was absolutely amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh god, damn! That's it's not even on an okay scale. It's like it broke broke the it broke the ceiling. (laughs) Like I would just have like a simple appetizer or like. I forgot the term for it, but yeah, something like an appetizer, and that already blows away like the last five meals I had Denny's at like Bush. different restaurants. Oh, Shit. Well, what do you I... remember what you had? Oh, man, it was like some sort of crab cake or something like that. Mm. And I it's... have the menu somewhere. I just need to dig it up. Yeah, yeah. So, like, all in all, you spent a few hundred bucks on it. Was it money well spent? Yeah, I would say it's definitely an experience. Would you do it again? Uh, yeah, I can see myself doing it again. Mm. Just not often. Yeah. <laughs> For like an occasion. Yeah. Uh, oh, I don't know, man. This sounds, this sounds amazing. Maybe, maybe. I, also, I always want to try the, um, you know, the dining in a dark experience? Oh, yeah. Noir. Like noir? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Where they like, they blindfold you and, and then you go in and it's like pitch black and they serve you food. Yeah. I've never tried it, but the idea and the concept always intrigued me. Have you two ever tried it? No, no, but I, I, I would also like to. What uh, do you? What be Eddie? Would you want to try it? To be honest, I've heard mixed reviews about it. Same. Um, I've heard people say that the experience is interesting, but the food itself was uh, so-so. <laughs> exactly. But, yeah, I heard the same thing. Yeah, I would definitely. Uh, yeah, actually, I could see myself trying it out. Just just to try it and say you tried it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that I think that they can get away with like less quality food because of the whole ambience thing, right? You're paying for the experience of yeah. the ambience. Yeah. Right? What are your thoughts about spending money on traveling? 
So, Andy, you're not like a huge traveler, but you went on a trip recently. What? How was your experience? And actually, you went with Martin as well, right? Yeah, we went to Malta. <laughs> well, you say recent, but it's been like <laughs> yeah, it's been like almost two years. Two years. Okay, we're, we're, we're not we're discounting the COVID year, so really a year ago. <laughs> <laughs> sure, if you want to put it that way, you know. So, like, you know, as a guy who hasn't traveled a lot, and I'm not about Martin, but you know, what, 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 what was your thoughts around like spending money for traveling and like exploring the world? Well, to be honest, for these trips, I would not travel by myself because I don't really find the concept of traveling intriguing enough for me to go on a solo trip. Mm. But it's always the people I go with. So if my friends want to go somewhere, then sure, I'm down. I don't mind spending whatever amount of money to like go across the world as long as it's not like some red zone like uh, North Korea. Let's <laughs> <laughs> go like Libya. <laughs> yeah. I mean, our friend group has gone to like Japan, Korea before. And how come you have like I wasn't like I'm not I don't know. So we can cut this out of anything. But like, you know, uh, how come you didn't go on those trips? I believe though for those trips I was either busy with work or some sort of transition or sorry in some sort of transitionary period between work and school. I think oh. that was the main reason. Mm. But would you, would you have gone otherwise? Yeah, I could have seen myself going otherwise. Mm. How about you, Martin? What's your thoughts on traveling? I would like to. So now and well, COVID aside, maybe now in the future, I think it would be nice to go on a trip once in a while. I think every year, like once a trip every year would be a bit on the luxury side, at least by my own personal standards, but maybe once every two years, I think it could be, it could be fun. I haven't personally been on a trip since actually, well, since the Malta trip with Andy, mostly because of COVID, but also because um, I've been, yeah, in kind of transition between work and uh, a new role. Yeah. So would I like to though? I think so. And I think if it's something like I would have to save and commit for. Like if I'm going with the mindset that I'm going on a trip, then I want to make it a memorable experience, which could mean spending, you know, a, a little bit more on good food. Watch it. Yeah. I think mostly for the food, really, to be honest. And that sort of thing. Mm. So like, I'm sure there's tons of us out there, including myself. We have no clue where Malta is. So do you want to, <laughs> <laughs> do you want to give us a little uh, background on where it is and how was the trip and like what kind of, what kind of uh, things are known for? So Malta is a little island between Italy and so between Italy and Africa. So it's mm. a, it's a little bit south of the the Italian coast I guess okay. and north of Africa. There has been a big European influence mostly because from Italy because it's right there. Mm-hmm. But as we traveled and learned more cuz I, I knew very little about Malta before the trip, but having been there apparently there was multiple takeovers so to speak by like the french by german people and other countries in europe so that was really interesting could definitely see the, the italian and, and german and uh, mediterranean kind of influence food is largely inspired by, oh, from my own non-maltese i guess perspective is very italian inspired so mm-hmm. a lot of pastas and, and pizza and that sort of thing um there's more to it than just that i'm overly simplifying it mm-hmm. but but yeah it was fun i enjoyed it Hmm. Yeah, the amount of pasta I ate on that trip. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> when you say pasta, so, like, did they serve it by like Western standards? Like, you know, like four fistfuls or just like literally one fistful per serving? Depends on which place. Yeah, I, I think you'd see both. both. Yeah. 
Okay. Did they like was language barrier a thing when you were going, or did they speak English there? They spoke English. Yeah, it was fine. Okay. It's so the island is very very small. Like you can travel around it in maybe a two hour drive, something like that. Mm-hmm. And that's the entire island within two hours. Mm-hmm. And so, what they really mostly rely on is tourism. Like that's their main mm-hmm. source of uh, of income. Yeah. So, so yeah, they, you better believe they have people who can speak multiple different kinds of languages, mm. including English. So, I guess the next question is, and I guess it's the final question on this topic, but like, why Malta of all places? Like, that's not the first thing that comes to mind when you ask, where do you want to travel? Oh, I want to go to Korea. I want to go to Japan, Australia. Malta is not the first one that comes to mind. I'll let Andy take this one because he introduced <laughs> Yeah, well, that. I was the one who uh, picked Malta. Yeah. So the thing is, like, I was looking at places to go at the time, and it's like the winter time, I believe, right? Yeah. So I yeah. looked at lists of places to go in the winter time, and you still see your typical places like Japan, Korea, Australia, and I'm like, I don't want to really go to these places. Like, everyone has been there. I want to go to a place where like not many people have gone there, and like it's something to well talk about, like. When you're talking to someone, it's like, oh, I've been to Japan. Oh, I've been to Japan as well. And then it just kind of chills off. When you say, oh, I've been to Malta. Oh, Malta. I've never heard of that country. Where is it? Or where is it located? What's it all about? And things like that. So I actually were was looking at two different uh, places. So Malta was the cheaper of the two. The second place was, uh, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this correctly, but the Maldives, Maldives. Something I, I don't know either. Yeah, Call I believe that was the place with like the uh, huts on the water and it's like standing on the poles and whatnot. So it's like a more of a resort type of place. But yeah, that was definitely more expensive. <laughs> I think Malta was the uh, better option at the time. We we were also looking. So at that time, we were both working uh, in a well at a bank, mm-hmm. and they require a one week uh, uninterrupted vacation. So that's kind of what, at least it helped inspire, um, like part of my choice, I guess, in going was like, where was a good getaway for one week? Mm. Yeah. And I think, yeah, Malta came up. So Mm. I'm like, okay, cool. That's awesome. I, uh, I mean, Andy was saying people talk about Malta and like case in point, we're talking about it right now. So (laughs) yeah, it's a good point. I I think it was a trip like, well, like well spent. Anyways, sorry. I'm, okay. I'm ready. <laughs> yeah, we, we were just shit talking you. It's fine. Um, <laughs> about my plate of fries and like biscuits. I'm actually not a fan of biscuits. Biscuits are gross. I don't really like biscuits either. It depends on where. Like the more buttery and, and healthy it is, the more tasty it's it is. Pop but I can only have like pop, pop, pop. I'll, I'll have one. I'll have one fan. and be like. I'm not I'm never a fan of biscuits. So for those who are listening, if we're keeping this in, I just got, <laughs> I just got someone brought me a plate of biscuits and like fries and chicken. Not a fan of biscuits. I'm down for some Popeye's chicken, though. I haven't had that in... Uh... Yeah, I haven't had it in years. So I had, like... Some okay, people, some people it's told not me... been years for me. <laughs> so, like, I I was told Jollibee's is, like, superior chicken. It's pretty good. I don't know if I would say superior. I don't know about that. I, I haven't had, had Jollibee's here yet. Oh, I've But I've had, had it in the Philippines. How was it? I'm, I'm pretty well, sure it's much more legit. Yeah, it was much better in the Philippines, but or well, I would assume it's much better in the Philippines. Mm. But they also have different options too. I don't know if they have it here, but like obviously, fast food chains have different offerings depending on what country it is. 
I heard KFC is really big in Japan <laughs> during uh, Christmas time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bro, do you know what that reminds you of? That reminds me of that damn chicken wing. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> so shit. It's a Malta so thing. We yeah. went to McDonald's in uh, Malta and we were like really drunk. <laughs> so, <laughs> we bought these super expensive chicken wings. I think, well, how McDonald's? much were they? Again? They were like two or three euros or something per wing. Oh, or wow. Something. Like nine dollars. Yeah. Three euros, like three euros. And, and they're, they're tiny. Ass. Like, they're they're like the size of your thumb. Yeah, they were tiny oh. and they were like super salty. <laughs> so bad. Holy cow. Like, these are from McDonald's? Yeah. We're like, oh, McDonald's wings. Let's try it. Yeah. <laughs> so bad. But to be fair, we're really drunk. So yeah. whatever. Wow. I haven't had, I haven't drunk in a long time. <laughs> drank. Drunk. English language is dumb. We have like drunk, drunken, drank. No wonder people have str- struggled to learn the English language. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, they arbitrarily make exceptions, like exceptions for certain rules in the English language. Truly. It's like, oh, this is an exception. Oh, this is an exception. Yeah. Well, for me, as long as the other person gets the point, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> There's no need to get hung up on like logistics or linguistics. True. It is true. It's just about, are you able to communicate? That's the most important part. Yeah. And um, communication is definitely a concept that applies to a lot of different things. Hmm. If we go back to our earlier topic. So if you were to travel, if you were to travel in the future when COVID's all over, what would your next destination be? I don't know if, I, if you answered this already. I don't think so. I'll, I'll go first. Okay. I was just telling Andy that uh, I have one that's already predetermined. Okay. Uh, Where? And it's because I have a friend who's getting married in Barcelona. <gasps> so that's that's a thing already um very, actually very much looking forward to it never been to spain mm. and i hear so i hear barcelona is beautiful mm-hmm. but the people there are very rude <laughs> is what, what i've heard what's the etiquette in terms of destination weddings are you still like obligated or expected to give a gift if you're going to pay for a destination wedding i i will be but and... like but do you think it should like out of out of obviously good grace you will do it yeah. Right, but do you think it should be expected of a guest to pay if you go to a destination wedding? Debatable. It, it's tough to say because if I'm paying for a wedding, oh, sorry, if I have a destination wedding, mm-hmm. what the guest is paying is for their own accommodations and, and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at the same time, they're kind of going on vacation themselves. Like, I mean, th- there is the, the whole wedding event mm-hmm. and I'm pretty sure... You're not going to just do the wedding, which is like, what, literally two days and then you leave, right? You're probably going to spend maybe a little more time to explore the city and so on and so forth. So in that sense, you're paying for your own vacation. And so that money isn't a gesture towards the, the actual gift to that, that couple who's getting married, right? You're paying for your own vacation, which mm-hmm. is kind of like aligned with the date of that person's wedding. I think like I think at that's... a core foundation, like fundamentals of it. I don't think a guest should be expected to uh, pay. Like, if they choose to extend the trip and make a vacation for themselves, that's fine. But if they are taking time out of their day, look, not just one day. At this point, Mm -hmm. you're traveling and then you're spending at least a few days at your destination. I personally would not expect them to get me a gift. You know, if they choose like you are, then like again, very thankful, very like very you know generous of you. 
but I would not make it. I would not expect them to get me something because I'm already asking so much of them. Yeah. So I think I think so. That's the other perspective, right? For like from the host perspective, like I wouldn't want my friends who are already coming, like taking time and money to come. Yeah. To pay even more. So I'm like, hmm. at the end of the day, and maybe this is subjective to myself. Like I don't plan on like having a super big wedding, anyways. Hmm. So if I was gonna have a destination wedding, I'd want to make it as convenient and as least costly as possible yeah for the guests so like i mean that's pending on what your future like fiance is gonna want it's depending on a billion different right of course for sure but like i ideally you wouldn't want a destination wedding um i don't think i would want a destination wedding either uh like it's just so costly and i'd rather have something small and local um that everyone can get to because most people that i associate with are within the toronto area so like you know, if, you, if I'm, I'm gonna get married one day, I would want something like small and easy going. Yeah, bro, just take the money and save for a house, man. Like that's that's where you're gonna sink a lot of your money. Okay, yeah. <laughs> just focus on down payment and I get mean, that shit sorted. They always say wedding is the wedding is mainly a vehicle to kind of get donations from your guests to pay for your down payment, right? <laughs> yeah. So, what do you think, Andy? On the whole, like we talked about a lot of things just now, but uh, just want to cue you in. Um, what do you think about? destination weddings expectations of guests at for destination wedding and etc well i think destination weddings are a really interesting concept um i definitely would want to go to one Mm. um as for expecting my guests to give a gift personally i don't think that it should be expected Mm. like i guess should be able to show up at your destination wedding and just like have a good time and you shouldn't have to expect a gift from them because like you both have said, they've taken their time and uh, money to be there for you. And in the end, it's them being there for you is what counts. And to me, that's more of a gift than like actually receiving, mm-hmm. let's say, some materialistic uh, things. Mm. Definitely. And um, personally, I would have a destination wedding myself, but really? <laughs> I would ideas. not go as far as out of country, though. Probably mm-hmm. like a different province. There's some Ooh. still some pretty good sites in like Alberta or uh, British Columbia. So maybe around there. Yo, and yo. also for my closest friends or the, uh, yeah, my closest friends, I'd probably offer to pay for all the expenses. Okay. As part of the uh, wedding. Mm. Wow, that's 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 hyper generous. All right, first class accommodations, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no worries, you got it. <laughs> Yo, bro, you got to do like a whole like Viking s wedding, like in the mountains in the background, and then you'll have like the friggin' like orchestra orchestral oh like piece. <laughs> Yo, if any any flexibility training like goes a, well, I can imagine a giant being like bonfire. I can imagine like jump chop off some sort of stage and then backflip into the wedding stage. <laughs> that would be really something in a suit <laughs> without without to, ruining the suit you know it's like well, they do have like flexible material suits nowadays so i can definitely pull something off i mean just like have like a harness andy you know just like jump from like a you know top of a stage and then onto the main floor yeah That's, that I'd, works as well that'd be uh that'd be something i would i would love to see that and i can totally imagine andy doing that I'll throw in some fireworks and then like a heavy metal band in the back. <laughs> <laughs> Funny enough, Andy listens to a lot of like like hard raps and everything like that. I think that's your preferred yep. type of music, right? Like yep. do you 
I did not expect. Like when I learned about that, I'm like, that is not how I imagine your taste in music. <laughs> I imagine most people think when they first meet me, I probably listen to something calm, like classical or jazz. But no, it's pretty much hip hop and rap. <laughs> Usually catches people off guard. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, I guess our last topic of the of, of our conversation today is uh, going back to marriages. Uh, where are your thoughts on prenups? Right, um, as you know, different. Uh, like you know, I think it's becoming more and more common these days to talk about that, to essentially protect your assets. And I think a lot of it, it like, it's a very sensitive topic to a lot of folks, and understandably so, because when you sign a when you ask someone to sign a prenup, it's like saying, "Oh, you're expecting us to break up? Are we expecting us to have a divorce later on?" Right. And for your for yourselves, like later on, assuming you have assets from your families and whatnot, do you think you would? be inclined to have a prenup signed prior to a marriage if you if you end up getting married for myself yeah for sure not to just protect my my own assets but like for my partners like they can be like exorbitant like ex- like incredibly richer than myself right and i wouldn't want to put them in a position where they have to sacrifice or like put their assets at risk because our relationship didn't work out likewise like my family has different properties if i wouldn't want to lose that to a potential bad breakup either what are your thoughts on it? I'll, I guess I'll go next. I wouldn't. And I would, so, I, so as always, it's one of those answers where I would say it depends, okay. which is kind of like the cop-out answer. But I'm, I'm leaning more towards I wouldn't. But it dep- what it does depend on is, and sadly enough to say, it's the, it's the relationship, the person that you're going to marry. Okay. So like so, forgetting the what-if-isms, like what's your, what's your like mentality about having one signed in the first place like that you inclined yeah. to push towards that option so so i'm i'm leaning more towards against it because Sorry. uh the the thinking is if you're getting married with a person you should believe in the relationship uh and believe in, in the strength of that relationship enough that it will last or you will try to make it last or uh enough trust with the other person that they wouldn't like fuck you over mm. Right. Yeah. So if you're going into a marriage, uh, just like forget about prenups and, and assets and all that for a moment. Just think about just just a relationship. If you can have these kind of three things and mm-hmm. build a strong relationship with these kind of us, like the pillars to support it, mm-hmm. then I don't think a prenup would be necessary because even if it doesn't work, well, first of all, you and your partner should should and would try to make it work as mm-hmm. hard as possible. Mm-hmm. And if all else fails and it doesn't work, then you would be mature enough to do it cleanly. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, I, I can't tell the future and I can't say like maybe your future partner suddenly goes full bad for whatever reason, right? Like I, there's a lot of things you can't tell, but ideally going into it, you would be under the, mm-hmm. I guess the pretense of a very strongly built relationship. That's why you're trying to, that's mm-hmm. why you, you're even proceeding with marrying this person. Yeah, I can totally see that. I think for myself, I like to be very preventative as opposed to very reactive. So for myself, just to have that anxiety out of the way. And that's like when I plan for anything, like if I plan an event, I always think of all the possibilities as much as I can. That is within my control. And honestly, like I don't want, like it just would put my my mind at ease having the prenup signed, right? For myself or the other party, right? Again, they can be significantly richer than myself or more well off, etc., um, I think it's more of a security thing and having that kind of in place would put me at ease. 
So I think would definitely want one signed. How about you, Andy? What do you think? Yeah, um, I can see it from both ways. But personally, I do align more with actually getting a prenup. Um, and I do agree with Dan. It's more of like a safeguard type of thing. Uh, if things do get sour, then you obviously don't want to lose what you have. And obviously your partner doesn't want to lose what they have as well. But I can understand from your point, Martin, that it's also a trust thing too. Like if you say, oh yeah, you want a prenup like up front, then, oh, you don't trust us to stay together forever. But if things do turn sour in that instance, then... Uh, there's no guarantee that both of you won't uh, give in to your negative emotions and then just start fighting over various things. Yeah. So it does go both ways, but personally, I do would uh, sorry line up more towards getting one, yeah. especially if you've worked hard to get what you have then you obviously don't want to split 50-50 and lose all this stuff that you've spent so many years to build up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, divorce is really sticky too, you know. It's a long, long process. If you know, like, the YouTubers, like, Eat Your Kimchi, like, have you heard of them from a while back? No? No. Okay, so, like, there are two YouTubers that are originally from Toronto, and uh, they're currently going through a separation, but like I've been following the Reddit posts and like apparently you have to kind of wait a year of separation before you can actually start the divorce proceedings. Um, so it's it's pretty long, arduous, and certainly it's gonna cost a lot of cash. <laughs> you know, um, it's not easy. Uh, but I think the more security is definitely better. And you never know down the, down the line, of relationship everything might be great, peachy, uh, day one of the wedding or marriage. But you never know what it's gonna look like ten years down the line. And best case scenario, you never have to think about idea of divorce because everything works out nicely. But you never know what happens. You know, I've known couples that have dated for a decade and still broke up. You know, it's you, you like it. Truly, you never know what happens. Um, and I think that brings us to the end of the podcast today. Um, thank you, Andy, for coming on as our guest is so great to have you after so long well thank you for having me once again <laughs> uh you're back to a greater than okay status nice <laughs> <laughs> we are at the top of the top guys we are the apex <laughs> yeah you guys are at the uh aloe level <laughs> aloe le- oh shit oh shit <laughs> he is he is actively stroking egos and it's working <laughs> Uh, with that said, folks, thank you again for uh, tuning in to our little humble podcast. If you're not a bot, please use the email link down below to tell Martin that you are a real person, especially if you're outside of Ontario because he thinks you're all robots. Yes. Tell me I'm wrong. Random person from like Wisconsin or whatever. <laughs> tell we me have, I'm wrong. We actually have a little bit more representation from the States this month. Um, but I think it's yes, probably yes, because of connections with Vicky. Yes. And Vicky, if you listen to this episode, very thankful for uh, sharing our podcast with some of your network. Yes. Um, Give us yeah. that exposure. Shout out to Vicky. Thank you, Vicky. Yes. Shout <laughs> out to Vicky. <laughs> um, and until next time, folks, eat your durians, stay happy, Ugh. and you encourage to. Martin to do the same. You really don't have to. Yes, you do. Do it. Email okay. Martin to eat durian. 
Don't. Okay, folks. Uh, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye, guys. You can say bye, Andy. Oh, bye. <laughs> 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 We're going to leave that in. We're going to leave that in. <laughs>